everyone and welcome to Physician Assistant Study Session. I'm your host McKenna Morgan and today we'll be talking disorders of the knee. Alright everybody, welcome back. I realized that I told you guys I was going to talk about the spine today and I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm going to talk about the knee instead. But don't worry, I will be talking about the spine in this um, section it might just be a week or two. I wanted to spend a little bit more time making the dermatomes a little more memorable. So I just have been a little bit crazy. So I am going to put that off just a little bit. So today we're going to be talking disorders of the knee. The section is fractures, dislocations, soft tissue injuries, and Osgood-Slaughter disease. So we'll go ahead and jump right in with our warm-up questions. What is the number one cause of knee pain in primary care? This is patellofemoral pain syndrome, aka patellar chondromalacia. What physical exam test is used to assess for IT band syndrome? And this is the Ober test. Do patellas most often dislocate medially or laterally? The answer is laterally. Okay, so we're just going to move right along. There's not really a rhyme or reason as to what order these disorders go in other than where they were located in my book. So we're starting out with medial and lateral collateral ligament injuries, aka the MCL and LCL. And the MCL is injured as a valgus stress, where the LCL is injured from varus stress. So I want to take a moment to talk about varus and valgus, as well as varum versus valgum. So varus and valgus stress, I should say those two words, varus and valgus, refer to a type of stress applied. So a valgus stress is when the knee is being pushed from lateral to medial, and it is stressing the medial knee. Imagine that you're bending a Dick. The part that's stretched isn't the part that's your thumb, it's the part that's on the other side. So I want you to think of that when you're doing um, val excuse me, valgus and varus stress testing. And varus stress is you're pushing from medial to lateral and you're stressing the lateral knee. I think this is helpful when you also know what the word genuverum and genuvalgum. Those refer to a state of alignment of the knee. So if a person has genuverum knees, they are bow-legged. And how I remember this is that if I were to try and make an R with my leg, which I couldn't do because I could only make a P, um, I have to bow my knee out. Possibly the better way to remember it is that valgus, genuvalgum, I should say, the knees are gummed together, so they are not kneed. So the idea of valgus stress is the same direction as what a knock knee looks like. If that helps that put together in your brain, um, I'm hoping that's helpful for you guys. So MCLs are caused from valgus stress. LCLs are caused from varus stress. LCLs are torn far less commonly than MCLs just because of 
uh, the number of things that can cause valgus stress. Um, with these, it's the same as pretty much every other sprain. Grade one is a sprain, grade two is a partial tear treated conservatively, grade three is a complete tear comp treated surgically. Easy peasy. Moving on to kind of the big, or I should say one of the big uh, ligament injuries of the knee is the ACL, which stands for anterior cruciate ligament. I did find on boards they did not use acronyms very much. They even spelled out like what a DEXA scan is. Um, so I'm going to try and use both for you guys. I'll probably say it once and then I'll use the acronym from there on out. So this is the number one lead ligament injury. Um, this is a pivoting injury, but also may be caused from hyperextension. This happens in females more often than males. And they may also have an associated meniscus injury. And you may have heard of the unhappy triad or the triad of O'Donohue or O'Donohue's triad, whichever triad you want to call it, as long as it's something along those lines. And what this is, this is an ACL, MCL, and a medial meniscus tear. That's what those are called. Um, ACLs may also be associated with a lateral tibial condyle avulsion. And this is called a Sion fracture. And this is pathognomonic for an ACL tear. So if you see this on x-ray, they should go get an MRI, which is what is diagnostic for an ACL tear. Um, symptoms for these guys, they'll have a lot of swelling. And they'll also complain of buckling. This is very, um, their knee is very unstable. It just buckles a lot. On physical exam, you'll need to do what's called a Lachman's test. This is the most sensitive test for an ACL. And how you do this, the patient will be supine and the knee is flexed 20 to 30 degrees. And you're going to take one hand, you're going to stabilize the femur, and you're going to take the other hand, you're going to grab the tibia, and you're going to pull it forward. Positive is a lack of a firm endpoint. Of course, you want to compare both sides because some people are just lax. For this to work well, the patient needs to be fully relaxed. So, you know, shake it out. Just tell them, hey, you need to relax. Shake out their leg a little bit. I find that really helps to kind of, you know, bounce their leg a little bit to help them relax. If you ever get the opportunity and you have a patient that you're about to do an ACL reconstruction on, once they're sedated, perform a Lachman. My preceptor let me do this, and it just, it was amazing. It was so nice to see. Um, I think as a student, that would be highly valuable for you guys, and it gives you a good chance to really make sure that you can do a Lachman well. Another physical exam test you can do is an anterior drawer test. And here the hip and knee is bent to 90 degrees, and you're going to stabilize the foot. Most people say just sit on the foot. Um, you're going to take your thumbs on their joint line and you'll have your fingers basically behind their cap and you're going to pull forward. And a positive here is that the tibia will translate anterior and will not have a firm endpoint. As I had mentioned, diagnosis was with an MRI. Treatment is PT versus surgery, primarily surgical for younger patients. I don't think it's critical to know whether you want to do autograft, allograft, bone tendon bone or anything like that. Like I said, that's beyond the scope. That's the moral of that story. PT versus surgery, normally surgery for younger patients. Conversely, 
there's the posterior cruciate ligament. This is far less common, uh, typically not seen as an athletic injury. It's more of a, what we call a dashboard injury. So imagine your feet are on the dash and um, the airbag pushes forward. So it's an anterior force while the knees are flexed. And they'll have a posterior drawer test, which is the same as an anterior, but instead of pushing, instead of pulling forward, you're going to push back. And they'll also have a posterior sag sign. And I'm going to tell you, just Google a picture of this, and this will make so much sense. You're just going to basically lift their leg, and you're going to see how much sag is in the tibia. Um, and these guys are treated surgically. Uh, next up are meniscal tears. And for these guys, the medial is three times more injured than the lateral. Lateral is injured less. This is true, like I said, with the LCL as well as with meniscus. Um, and this is just because the LC, or excuse me, the lateral meniscus is less mobile and there's a lot more stress to be applied medially. A lot of people um, just get a blow that's going from lateral to medial. These can be degenerative or traumatic. Traumatic injuries are generally a twisting or a hyperflexion injury. They will complain of joint line pain. And this is this is critical. There's very few things that people will complain of joint line pain for. It's pretty much menisci or arthritis. So that's a big clue. Another big clue for a meniscus is they'll complain of locking. So it feels like it catches. Then all of a sudden it pops and it, then it moves. Um, they also might complain of some instability, like it gives away. Um They'll also have difficulty with stairs either up or down as well as squats just because of um, the flexion. Physical exam test for this is McMurray's. So with menisci, there's a lot of M's. It's the medial meniscus. It's the McMurray's test. As far as McMurray's goes, there's a lot of ways to describe it. And I think it's one of those, I think you just kind of need to see it. But in terms of words, here's what I think is the best way to do it. You're going to grab the heel with one hand and the joint line with the other. And to test the medial, you're going to externally rotate the heel, flex the knee, and then extend the knee while providing valgus stress. And then you're going to just then twist the heel the other direction, flex the knee again, and then extend while providing varus stress. It's, there's just this kind of fluid motion that you get through and you get good at it. I, I do think it's one of those they might test you on like the verbiage on how to do this but if when you're seeing externally rotate a heel plus flexion extension with stress that sounds like a McMurray's so hopefully that makes sense again that might be one you just kind of need to see a video on uh, to get a full kind of grasp of what I'm talking about treatment wise for these these can be treated conservatively versus surgically there's a lot of data coming out about this but again beyond the scope of our exam which is a good thing Moving on, we're going to talk a little bit about patellofemoral pain syndrome, which is PFPS, a.k.a. patellochondromalacia. Um, this is the number one knee complaint in primary care. And it's an injury to the patellar cartilage, and it's often seen in runners. And they'll complain of pain under or behind the patella. They'll also uh, have some crepitation with uh, range of motion under the knee. And they may have a positive long car ride or theater sign. So when they get up after being seated for a long time, it bothers them a lot. 
Um, when you're assessing these, you're looking for malalignment and improper patellar tracking. Again, valgum versus valgus. Patellar glide, patellar grind, patellar apprehension. Again, I think those are just kind of all beyond the scope in terms of what's testable because those exams are all used for other things. But just know that we're using these exams to assess the mobility and the pain with patellar movement. Another thing is these patients will often complain of difficulty with stairs. I think that's a big one. So positive, long car ride, difficulty with stairs, pain behind the patella. Number one knee complaint, patella femoral pain syndrome. Treatment for these is conservative NSAIDs rest PT, basic ortho treatment. Next up is patellar tendinitis. Um, not much I think you really need to know about this. It's aka jumper's knee and it's pain of the patellar tendon which or patellar ligament depending on uh, your choice of words. Remember that just goes from the patella down to the tibia. And these are treated conservatively when you see all those guys wearing straps. That's what that's for. All right. Next is IT band syndrome. And these guys will complain of lateral knee pain. And, and I think that's important because it's one of the few things that causes lateral knee pain other than an LCL or a lateral meniscus tear. You'll see this a lot in runners. And it's treated conservatively, so pretty simple. As I had mentioned in the warm-up questions, this you will use during an Ober test. And I think you just should know that those go together. I think as far as performing an Ober test, it's a little bit beyond the scope of this practice. The knee is flexed, the patient is side-lying, and the examiner then extends at the hip and um, watches the behavior of the IT band as the leg goes into adduction. Again, that's just hard to write questions about, but it's easy to know what an over test goes with. Um, so I would just know that. Okay, uh, kind of switching around to the back of the knee, we're gonna talk about a Baker's cyst. It's one of the few like posterior knee pains we have. Pain and swelling with prolonged standing. They may be asymptomatic and it's just found on physical exam. Further, they can be very probable. Um, treatment for these. NSAIDs, aspiration, injection, compression brace. Surgery is pretty rare. Um, I think it's kind of cool to know. I was actually just talking with my mother, of all people, about this, about things that cause knee swelling. And pretty much it's anything that has associated cartilage damage. So think of it. Your ACLs have a lot of swelling. Arthritis will have swelling. Menisci is also kind of a, um, a cartilage injury, so those guys will have swelling. And then a cyst. Those cartilage injuries and cysts generally are associated with swelling. Um, if that kind of helps, maybe just more in a clinical aspect versus a board aspect. But thought that little tidbit might be helpful for you. Okay, moving back to the front of the knee, or I should say moving forward to the front of the knee. Patella fractures. And there's two ways that these can happen. Number one is a direct blow. In adults, that's generally what you'll see. You know, it's a car accident, whatever have you. In kiddos, they can have what's called a patellar sleeve fracture. And what happens is they have the extreme contraction of the quads. And what happens instead of, as we'll talk about in a minute, instead of the tendon rupturing, the tendon just pulls the patella apart. 
x-rays for patellas, you want to get an AP lateral and a sunrise view. And I actually am hoping I can post a picture to this somewhere. Um, I just saw a really pretty depiction of anatomy art, and I just was blown away with the sunrise view. Uh, basically, imagine that you're laying on your back and you have your knees flexed, and you can see that your um, patella is on top. Your tibia is, excuse me, not your tibia, your femur is uh, below. That is what a sunrise view is. Obviously, how they actually take this is different, but that's what it looks like is kind of that, that view where you see the patella is on top. And then the tibia is below. That's a sunrise view. Treatment, they're immobilized in extension. Again, you want to take the quads out of action so that the patella doesn't go anywhere. And these guys will get referred to ortho for cast versus surgery. So as I had just briefly mentioned, in kiddos, a contraction of the quad can cause a patella sleep fracture. If we have a forceful contraction of a quad in an adult, we generally get a tendon rupture, and it can either be a quadriceps tendon or a patella tendon rupture. Uh, males over 40 is generally who you want to think for these. Um, the quad tendon is way more common to rupture than the patellar tendon. And with the quadriceps tendon, you're going to have an x-ray finding patella baja. And baja means short. So in this case, the patella is located more distal, or I should say lower, than it normally should be. And this is because now since the quads are out of action, the patellar ligament is pulling it down. This is as, um, as opposed to a patellar tendon rupture, you'll have a condition called patella alta. And alta means tall. So here the quads are then pulling the tendon, or excuse me, the quads are pulling the patella up into patella alta position. Treatment for this is surgical. Okay, continuing with the patellar, we're going to talk about patella dislocation. Mechanism of injury for these is a twisting on a flexed knee. And this happens with females most commonly. And they also displace laterally most commonly. So I think it's important to kind of put these together because if you think of the female alignment, generally our knees are in genuine valgum. So if you were to draw a line from our ankles to our hips, you would see that the axis is actually lateral to our knee. Um, so they will displace that direction. I hope that kind of makes sense for you guys. That's just how I remembered it. Treatment for these, it's a dislocation. What do dislocations always get? They get reduction. How to reduce this, which I do think is actually important to know. Uh, slowly extend the knee while applying valgus stress to the patella. So you're basically trying to push the patella back in place while you're extending the knee. These may also reduce spontaneously or the patient will reduce it by the time they get there. On exam, they may have a positive apprehension sign. This is very similar to an apprehension relocation test for a shoulder, except for it's just at the knee. So if you imagine that you're kind of moving the patella around and when you push it laterally, the patient gets very apprehensive. They're nervous that it's going to dislocate. And then you move it back and it's fine. If they 
come to you and it's not reduced, be sure to get post-reduction x-rays, which is generally pretty common with any um, reduction that we do in, in the ER, they do get post-reduction films. Treatment for these, they're going to get a neat immobilizer in full extension. Again, you're taking the quads out of the picture when you're in full extension, so that patella stays still. Uh, physical therapy and surgery if recurrent. Moving down, I'm going to briefly talk about tibial plateau fractures. Just know that they're associated with a fall from a height, as opposed to tibial shaft fractures. And these are twisting motion with a planted foot. In a kiddo, this is called a toddler fracture. And for kids, they're often difficult to see, um, unfortunately. But um, one thing I want to just kind of point out, generally with spiral fractures where we want to be concerned um, about abuse with kiddos because they're caused by twisting motions. A toddler fracture which will be a spiral fracture of the tibial shaft in a kiddo, is common. It's not something we need to be concerned about abuse for. The tibia is just, it, there's a lot of twisting that happens there. Kiddos are wobbly. They twist, they run, they just, they fall in funky ways. So don't need to be concerned about a toddler's fracture. Now, if you see a spiral, spiral fracture in a femur, then we need to be concerned about abuse. It takes a lot more twisting at a higher location for the femur to fracture in a spiral manner. 70% of femoral shaft fractures are due to abuse. So femoral shaft fracture, fail, bad, abuse. Toddler fractures, toddlers, T, twi tibia, twisting are okay, they're common. Tibial injuries also have a high risk for compartment syndrome, which we're going to talk about probably more in our hip episode. So we'll just, just know tibias, anterior compartment, compartment syndrome. And our last topic for the day is Osgood-Schlatter disease. And this is the number one cause of chronic knee pain in young active adolescents. And I realize we have a lot of number ones. I think what you need to take away from this is that it's adolescence. It's usually males 10 to 15 during their growth spurt. And what's happening is that their bone is growing faster than their soft tissue. So their soft tissue is still so short. So it is pulling on the bone and causing it to become hypertrophic. So one of their symptoms is that they'll have hypertrophy of the tibial tubercle. And that will last into adulthood. You can generally ask people as they get older, oh, did you have Osgood slaughter as a, as a kid? And they, um, they will say yes. Um, they'll also have pain with activity. But the big one I think you need to remember is tibial tubercle tenderness. Put that in your brain with Osgood slaughter disease. Tibial tubercle tenderness. These are treated with... Um, obviously conservatively, rice and zeds and quad stretching. All right, guys, that was it as far as material. Uh, we'll just end with a few more closing questions. What fracture is pathognomonic for a concomitant ACL tear? And this is called a Seagond fracture, also called a lateral tibial condyle avulsion fracture. Name the three components of the unhappy triad.
near the ACL, the MCL, and the medial meniscus, all torn. The fine valgus and varus stress. Valgus stress is pushing from lateral to medial, and this is testing the medial mean. Varus stress is pushing from medial to lateral, and this stresses the lateral knee. Okay, five things you should remember from this episode. Number one, Lachman test is the most sensitive physical exam test for an ACL tear. Number two, tibial tubercle tenderness equals Osgood slaughter. Number three, McMurray's test is for meniscus. Number four, joint line pain is most likely a meniscus. And number five, high risk of compartment syndrome with a tibial shaft fracture. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate it. Um, I have a favor to ask. I know. I First, I have to disappoint you with not having spine, and then I have to ask of you. But this will be good. So we have probably four episodes of ortho left. I'll do spine, hip, foot and ankle, and rheumatology. But I'm ready to start researching the next section. So I'm going to put a poll up on our Facebook page, PA Study Sesh. You may also email me at pastudysesh at gmail.com to tell me what you want me to start on next. Do we want to do cardio? Do we want to do palm, GI, psych, derm, anything? Um, we could do GU, just, you know, whatever you guys want. Um, most votes by the time I am studying next will win. So anyway, like I said, this podcast is for you. So I can do them in whatever order uh, we want to do. So again, email me PA study sesh or go over to our Facebook page and uh, vote for the poll there. Speaking of Facebook, please share us um, on Facebook. Follow us on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Share us with your friends. Tell everybody about it. I'm really looking forward to uh, growing and progressing with you guys. I'd also like to thank Lee Rosevier for the use of his music during the intro, outro, and question portions of our exam. And that is everything for this week. Uh, We'll see how this week goes and see if I actually get to spine next week. If not, we will either be doing um, foot and ankle or the hip. I'm going to say rheumatology for last. So anyway, guys, I hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you guys all have a wonderful week. Thank you.